everyone. Welcome to 12 Questions. This is Anna Valenzuela. I'm drowning in homework at all times, uh, but I'm very grateful to be here. And I'm so excited to see the lovely face and hear the incredible, smooth voice of my co-host, Mr. Dave Yates. Literally, that was like lie upon lie upon lie. Uh, my voice is not smooth. It's uh, raspy and <laughs> Midwestern, but I'm glad to be here. <laughs> uh, even You're though so Anna doesn't know what rigorous honesty means. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, oh, I do. I have a seventh step that is uh, dragging my my soul through the mud right now. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I am probably on four through seven. Uh, and Anna step work, so uh, that's that's my claim to fame. Oh. I am I'm on Anna. I guarantee it. <laughs> I guarantee you are, it. <laughs> you you are so ridiculous, Dave. You are so funny, and also I do think your voice is very smooth. Am I yeah. allowed to think your voice is very smooth? You're not allowed to compliment me. You know that. Oh yeah, yeah. This is uh, this is hi. Welcome to you Twelve know, Questions. You know where... my self worth defects. Come on. <laughs> welcome to Twelve Questions, where Anna codependently compliments Dave, and he codependently deflects. <laughs> it's, kind of, it's kind of our thing. Uh, uh, and at this juncture, I, I have a sneaking suspicion that you're going to want me to read that lovely clarity statement. Could you? That'd be delightful. I think I can manage. Welcome to the 12 Questions Podcast. We believe that growth and recovery isn't just for clean and sober people. Our mission is to share our experiences with guests who do the same. We're not affiliated with AANA or any other 12-step organization. 12 Questions has absolutely no opinion on the use of drugs or alcohol by anyone. We're simply two people that happen to be in recovery that want to give hope to anyone struggling. Although some of our guests may be clean and sober, some of them are not or choose not to divulge. The purpose of the podcast is to learn more about ourselves and others. We only hope that you can learn something about yourselves by listening. Yay! Dave, who are we speaking with today? A good friend uh, that we, we rarely see each other because live music has ceased to exist for a year and a half, but it's coming back. And we let guests introduce themselves. So uh, who are we talking with today? Hello, I'm Caroline Cooley. Yeah. Yay. There she is. Uh, it's so funny because like I see Caroline maybe a couple times a year and it's it's usually seeing live music. And so most people that aren't in like the, the live music sphere that, that go to a lot of shows don't understand that it's like it's like a family reunion, right? For sure. And I, and I know people in recovery that I, I've only seen, really, besides you said earlier, coming to a Zoom comedy show, which, bless your heart, uh, that, that is a real trooper um, thing to they're do. They're not all bad. I'm not saying they're all bad. They're just all weird. This, <laughs> this podcast has hosted two Zoom comedy shows, and they were delightful and fun. So... And they yeah. can also be weird. There, things, there, things can be delightful and fun and also weird. It's it's like a fish show. A fish show can be delightful <laughs> and fun and also weird. Amen. A hundred percent. Caroline, what have, what have you been up to this past year and a half? How you been? How you been holding it together? It's been weird. It's been interesting. Um, you know, I stayed employed until... Um, the end well the pandemic isn't over but I made it all the way till the end of last year I found out that I was losing my job on 
December 30th, you know, mm-hmm. so hashtag 2020. Um, but I mean, it was a good year, even though it was crazy and weird and we didn't get to do all the stuff that we normally do. It's kind of funny the year before 2019, we, and when I say we, I mean, my husband, Chris, you know, that day, but I don't know if people out there in the world know that. Well, we will get a follow-up episode with uh, the one and only Chris Cooley. Uh, Yes. He's not (laughs) here right now. He's working in New Jersey right now, but, um, we had decided after 2019 because we kind of went balls to the wall with music in 2019 and we decided well for 2020 we're going to kind of scale back a little bit and um there's there's been a question in our household if we manifested the whole the whole pandemic just so we could save money from not going to see too many shows yeah yeah the the coolies (laughs) caused the pandemic uh you heard it here first They 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 conjured up uh, the spirit world to cancel live music for everyone because they couldn't be there. You know, yep. my roommate thinks that she may have caused the pandemic because she went to the Everybody's. Manson. Yeah, she went to the Manson caves and stole a rock, and she thinks she caused a singularity. And then um, I think I just needed a nap so bad, like I must have been just driving back from some terrible road gig where they made me host for like a you know a bucket of beans and just just yelling into the ether i need a fucking nap (laughs) and so i think i think collectively the world was just even mother earth was just like y'all y'all we need a break Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah 2019 was such fucking doo-doo for me that 2020 i'm just like oh an invisible force taking people that you love and care about sounds like cancer been through that already so bring it on 2020 that's the thing. It's just like, you know, once you've been kicked, once your balls have been kicked into your throat uh, the year previous, it's like 2020, it sucked and a lot. It, it And we're still uh, on the tail end of this shit train. But I guess like I, I guess I was numb to to it. And it was actually kind of nice, like from a from a work standpoint to have work taken away. And it's just like now that I get to do it again, like I joke on stage that the stakes have never been lower. Like I, I literally stopped the show at some points and I go, you guys got to understand this. I know that you're just happy to be out here and the stakes have never been lower. I could I could end my set punching myself in the balls until I collapse. And you'd be like, oh, shit, is that George Carlin up there? Holy cow. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, if a comedian ended their set by... To be fair. Uh, ended their set by punching themselves in the balls, I would... I would laugh all the way. I would turn into a tumbleweed. I laugh so hard. I would just laugh and then roll away. That's like, that's, that's I, I don't know. It's not, look at, just look at Caroline's like beautiful face. She's like, I don't understand. It's because comedians are sick people. <laughs> <laughs> I understand a little bit. I mean, people in recovery are sick people too, you know. Girl. <laughs> We're a sick bunch. Girl. I mean. It is. The struggle is real. <laughs> Very. Spe- speaking of the sickness and being down with the sickness. Wow. That was a little bit of disturbed reference for all you uh, new metal lovers out there. Uh, <laughs> Why? <laughs> I caught it. <laughs> you yeah, didn't do it, it monkey enough, though. They're like, wow. <laughs> I've got a very sensitive microphone. I didn't want to be like, wow. <laughs> you didn't want to you didn't want to pull at me when I like laugh so hard I have to like b- like put my whole body away from my computer yeah. um yeah. 
I, I didn't want to cackle so that our listeners' ears burst. They like, love oh, it. This this Caroline Cooley episode is great as the blood trickles. I down love, they love our our listeners to their necks into their shoulder blades. That's that's the imagery. I they I love it. They love it. If they uh, listen to jam bands, they're used to that anyways, right? Oh, hey, hey. <laughs> it's so funny. Like if the people that shit on jam bands, like I've been working on a bit about this. It's like it's so easy. It's the easiest thing to shit on. It's just like, but like, it's like, have you gone to a show? Like just one and seen how fun it is. And we know it's fucking weird. Like I, t- when I tell people I've seen fish 27 times, they go, holy fuck balls. And I'm like, you want to know what the counts of my friends are? Like, Karen, <laughs> what, what's your show count? Do you know your show count? Ballpark? So uh, over a hundred, a hundred sober, over a hundred sober, maybe like yeah. 150 total for fish. I don't, I don't count any of the other. I mean, the other ones are up there, but that's. It's, yeah. The fish count is is the only count that matters. It's it's when you want to measure your heady wook dick uh, to other fans. Wait, what? Uh, what did you just say? <laughs> There's going to be a lot of specialized language in this episode. Uh, but basically, how cool or, uh, uh, I guess for lack of better terms, how much notoriety you have as a fish fan uh, usually coincides with the show count and when you started seeing fish. But Would when you, you definitely when you start seeing them and show count too, but you have to be, you have to have humility about it. Kind of like your clean and sober time. Like I don't go waving that shit around at every meeting, you know, no, I like had, you I had to pull it. I had to drag it out. Yeah. Of yeah. You've got to be you know like ballpark what your show count is. You're like, <laughs> I know exactly that. <laughs> That's so funny, but it's not the thing I'll interject on an online, like, chat about like 1.0 versus 2.0 versus 3. you know like yeah it's so there are different eras anna of (laughs) of the fish and 1.0 is like the beginning of fish 2.0 is like right before trey fucking was really bad into heroin okay and then 3.0 is like when trey got sober and the band got back together okay now there's the argument of are we in 4.0 which is like the band is is ripping it. They're putting out new albums, and it's like so. People will argue like where we're at in fiction. Like, like ska, ska has waves. Uh, anime has eras. Kinda. Yeah, yeah, Kinda. yeah, yeah. It's, it's when fans decide that we're going to be so insufferable that no one wants to join our ranks. And I think that could be what <laughs> it could be a, a defense mechanism. Like we don't want anybody else to make buying tickets harder to shows. So it's like. Let's be the Trader Joe's customers uh, <laughs> of the music world. Let's be just so fucking awful that despite the venue being dope and the and the product being delightful, you don't want to go buy that product because the fans are fucking the, the Bernie Bros, the Bernie Bros of fit, of of oh, music. Yeah. And there, and there's there is a Venn diagram of Bernie Bros. <laughs> it's fans. a circle. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it is, a, it is it is an infinity graph. Um but yeah, that's yeah, that's our nerddom, I would say, right, Caroline? That's 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 how we know each other best. I for sure. I do have to say, I love because I have my own nerddoms, right? Like I'm a huge anime fan, and I do martial arts, which is incredibly nerdy. And um, I I I have my I have my things, right? And I love learning about other people's things. Like my friends who are super into like horror, I'm like 
oh, tell me everything. I like horror, but it does give me nightmares. But I'm just like, tell me everything. You want to go to Fright Fest? We'll go to Fright Fest. Like, like I, I love it. And I cannot wait to go with Dave to a fish show to experience that because I just love people feeling themselves with the most just with like no shame, just like be that. And Dave, we did a gig together and him just explaining to me, cause I was like, explain the fish to me, explain, explain this. And, and he explained it really well. That, when, when someone says that Carolina, you know this, it's like, it's like the whole, like the, the Star Wars meme, it's a trap. <laughs> oh yeah. Up. It's like, it's like, all right, like, do you want me to explain this so you can shit on me, or do you really want to learn about this fucking thing, which I don't expect anybody else but me to like? No, but I, I do, and I, I love that you explained that it's like every time you get to hear your favorite song, it's for like 25 minutes, and that's like the best goddamn thing in the world, and I love that you explained the accessibility and the, like, the uh the egalitarian nature of the band and i'll have you know in my audio class the wall of sound came up uh we got a whole fish slide <laughs> uh, well, so you weren't paying attention because that's the grateful dead uh, so you get a fucking f he said fish he said fish well, you need to go, yeah you need to go tell your professor that he's a fucking chud because that's the grateful Dead. i'm gonna find that slide i'm gonna find that slide I swear to you, I'm gonna find that slide. He is. I, God bless I, my, him. My vote, my vote would be your professor was right, and you're just like everything is fish. I might think everything is fish now, but I would have remembered. I would have remembered uh, the Grateful Dead because I remember my dad wasn't like a huge Grateful Dead fan, but he loved that just so many white people were following some Mexican dude around. Like it made him so happy, and so like. <laughs> He was just like, he was just like, look, they just follow him. <laughs> it's great. Garcia, Garcia, it's like Valenzuela. Yes, yes. It's really, you know, any representation mattered uh, for the early Chicano days. So, um, yeah. but yeah, uh, I will. Now I feel embarrassed. Oh my no, gosh. I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to talk to, I thought I was really, really flexing. I'm going to have to like talk to that professor about the slide. Be Caroline's like, that is not fish. I'm going to let you have it. No, please, please <laughs> do. Please do. Um, it's very funny. We and get, we, we, we should get into these questions. We though. should. We're having too much fun. <laughs> yeah, we, we're doing it. Uh, Caroline, question number one is, uh, what does surrender look like to you? Um, I scanned the question so I can kind of be prepared, but I didn't make notes or anything. So this is going to be perfect. a little off the cuff. You know, no, I guess please, that means, go long. yeah, what it means now is probably different than what it's meant to me before. You know, um, I think in early recovery, surrender was just feeling like I didn't have any way out. I was miserable. I wanted a way out. I didn't know what else to do, but I knew that like, 12 steps existed. I knew recovery existed. I knew a handful of people um, that were in recovery and somehow they still went to shows, which was a big part of my thing back then. But it got so bad there at the end that I didn't go to shows, you know, because it was too unpredictable. Plus you can't have enough money for drugs and alcohol and concert tickets and um, court fees and <laughs> boyfriend bond money and you know that type of thing so that um, boyfriend bond money will get you every time every time every time <laughs> I married him too <laughs> what that's so funny you just be like you know what you put me in debt 
we are getting married. <laughs> that is correct. Yeah. That's you get right. me from here on out. <laughs> your debt is now your debt again. <laughs> again, yes. I love that. That's amazing. Luckily, we've had the opportunity to way, way uh, repair that credit situation and all that good stuff for the last little over a decade. But um, yeah, I, I think today it just means like surrender for me is just cont- every day is an opportunity for surrender. Like what comes up, it, it, to me, it's attached a lot to acceptance, which I did some homework and listened to your podcast. Um, and I heard your, you lament about acceptance, Dave, on the podcast with Lena. Um, and so I think that the first part of surrender is like realizing like this is, it is what it is. Like we all hate that cliche or whatever that saying is, it is what it is. But I mean, just being able to understand that like certain things are just going to be the way they are. Like when we got put into shutdown, like when I lost my job this past year, I've had a lot of physical health problems. Like um, I played roller derby for like six and a half, seven years in the early part of my recovery. I sustained lots of injuries and um, I had a blast. It was awesome. It was a great outlet for my recovery or like for my energy at that point, because it was something I could like just switch to, you know, from from throwing down all the time to just like doing practicing and playing and scrimmaging and all that stuff. But now, you know, I'm in my forties and my body is starting to be like, Hey bitch, remember all those times you hit the floor. Um, so now surrender your, your knees, your knees are letting you know, like what you used to do. Yeah. Yeah. My knees, my back, like this past year I've gotten, diagnosed with stenosis and I've had I've arthritis in my hips and like all this dumb shit. Um, Are we going to talk arthritis in the hips? I've been doing martial <laughs> arts for since I was 20 and uh, and I have a sacroiliac, um, sacroiliac joint degeneration. It's almost completely fused on my right side. It's mobile on my left side, but it's still like, it clicks. It's like, which is just the sound of arthritis forming. Mm-hmm. Um, I have arthritis in my hands and my feet. I've broken, I've broken almost every toe, almost every toe. I've dislocated both my pinkies and just pulled them back in and like taped them to the next one and gone back to fighting. Like metal. Girl, I totally, I totally get it. I had a friend who did roller derby and at the height of my like karate competition, I went to buy her some like, like a birthday gift at Moxie skate shop down here in Long Beach. Mm -hmm. And I walked in and they were like, you do roller derby? And I was like, no, I'm just getting this for a friend. And she was like, do you want to do roller derby? (laughs) Like she just, I was like, do I block her shoulders? Is that what you're telling me? I block her shoulders. Okay. 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 But I love that. But I also understand it's like, it's, that is especially hard on your body. I've seen my homegirl blew her ankle out. She had like a compound fracture. It's like, that's the real tea. Oh yeah. I've got a re refabricated ACL on my right side, a little bit of just strand of ACL on the left. I've broken both. Actually, the first ankle I broke, I was playing roller derby, but I was actually drunk and tried to body slam somebody because that was like, <laughs> right. That was maybe like a year before I got sober sure. and I just started playing derby and I thought I was a badass. So I got mm-hmm. drunk at a work Christmas party and tried to body slam somebody and broke my ankle. But, um, you know, yeah, I don't know. So surrender is like accepting whatever is coming, but then seeing what can I do next? You know, like. I knew before all the body stuff came up, I knew years ago that my body was done playing derby and I got more into yoga 
Um, yeah, me too. Yoga actually put me back in martial arts. I never thought I could do it again. But from doing yoga, I got strong. My core, oh, my core. Like, mm-hmm. like I might have half an app in a couple of months, you know? Like, but yeah, I, I yes, yoga, continue. <laughs> well, what I was going to say is in yoga philosophy, there's this um, concept. It's called like Ishvara Pradnihana, and I'm probably butchering it. I speak fluent Southern, not Sanskrit, but I try. <laughs> um, but it's about surrendering to something greater than yourself, you know? Mm. And then one of the little quotes that I love out of the reading that I, I I can't even pull up in my brain who wrote it, but it's basically like you trade in a grain of sand and get the whole universe back in return. And that's kind of how I feel about recovery too. Like I surrendered that bullshit that I was living in. That was misery that I didn't know how to get out of that. I didn't know there was another option for. And then I got all of this life, like all of this peace and serenity and like true connection in return um so i think surrender is just to me is like the first it's just the first step it's like when you say like the re the the chapter called acceptance was the key um the key opens the door but then once the door is open like what's what do you do with what you find inside what's on the other side you know exactly and that's that is my that is i mean for for those hardcore listeners that is does usually my problem with the acceptance is the answer to all my problems it's the same it it's the same in my opinion it's the same as uh when people butcher progress not perfection you know it's like that is we're warned about resting on our laurels and i believe that acceptance without action is just it's just that there's no point I can accept things, but there's some things that aren't acceptable to me. You know, there's some things in this world that aren't acceptable to me. So what am I doing to take action surrounding them? You know, and this, this goes from, you know, atrocities that happen to humankind to slights in my life. It's just so it's like I can accept things, but what am I doing? Like, am I donating to organizations that try to prevent, you know, atrocities or, you know, it's so it, it just can't to me. I, it just felt insufficient. And it's, you know, when people say progress, not perfection, it's actually it's spiritual progress, not spiritual perfection. You know, like where someone will, will make a mistake and then just be like, womp, 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 progress, not perfection. <laughs> and it's just like, I like, yeah, but what are you doing about it? And that's I have to tell that to myself, like in this conversation, like I have bad um, ankles and knees from skateboard and being a dum dum. And it's like my new thing that my the thing I have to accept is me getting older and me not being able to sit on a plane for 14 hours without having my back be like i hate you you know so um it 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 rolls right into the um next question you know acceptance but like what is the most insane moment you've had either pre pre recovery or in recovery what's the most insane moment that you've had that's a hard one <laughs> Um, you could just pick a juicy one. It doesn't matter. Well, I can tell you that I was down in big Cypress, uh, for fish 99. Um, definitely not sober. And my sister was there. She's two years younger than me and we're really, really close. And a lot of insane shit happened a, a lot of times when I was on alcohol and drugs. But this incident to me is insane because of the impact it had on my relationship with her. Um, she was down there, not really into fish, but her husband, like, w- or not her husband, her um, boyfriend at the time had alternative sources of income. So he came there to cash in on those, of basically, course. you know. 
And so she was like, please meet me before midnight. She thought Y2K was really going to happen. And like what, I don't know if she thought aliens were going to come beam us up from the, from the Everglades or whatever. But uh, <laughs> we got so plastered that day. Like we had not slept. We were on God knows what. I think it might've been the first time I ever tried special K. So I'm just like crawling up the ground. That's like flat, you know, we're in Florida, there's no Hills. And I'm just like, so completely out of it. And I had made a deal with her to meet her somewhere before midnight, like at 1130 so that we could be together when the, you know, when midnight happened. Um, and I just didn't, I totally forgot. I spaced out, you know, and I was like on a head full of drugs. I stayed all through the whole night show, like a bunch of people ended up passing out, you know, we were like all peeing in cups and throwing it in the trash can. It was so gross. But, um, when I get back to my campsite, she had like came over there and written a note, a note to me on a paper plate. Cause they were staying somewhere across the, the way, just telling me how bad I sucked and what a piece of shit I was. And like, how I was a poser like if I was really about peace and love that I would have been with her at midnight and all this stuff you know like it was awful and I felt Mm -hmm. terrible because it was like it was one of the first times that my the consequences of my actions had been like right there in my face um so that was pretty wild um and pretty awful now are you guys uh how are you guys now we're bffs now um Mm -hmm. I've been able to make amends to her because of you know my recovery and Uh, The thing that I think about immediately following that is, you know, fast forward to eight, almost eight years ago, um, she was pregnant with my niece. I don't have any kids. And um, I, Chris and I just never wanted kids never was part of our, part of our deal. We've got dogs, but when she called me and she was five hours away and she was like, Hey, they were admitting me to the hospital. They're going to induce me. Like I was like out of my desk. I worked at a call center at the time, like emailed the scheduling people. Like I'm out of here. I got to go. And I was able to be there with her through that. And you know, I'm the, I'm the godmother to my niece, which is like the most important thing in the world to me. Um, so that's pretty cool. Yeah goes from insane bad to insane good sometimes exactly and we have an amazing bond like we've really bonded over because she's you know she works on herself and and does therapy and we've talked a lot about our childhood shit and it's just been really cool and now we I kind of get to have a hand in helping to raise my niece which is awesome she's just an amazing little little human oh yeah oh do are you gonna take her to a fish show I would love to absolutely love to. I can't wait to take her to live music. Aww. Yeah, it'll oh, happen. She's almost eight. She's seven. She'll be eight in June. Thank you for not being one of those fucking wook parents or wook. Like I, I have a picture and I'll send it to you. The last time I was at Dick's Sporting Goods Park for fish and there was a lady with an infant on her back at the show. Like just Did it have like the those... earbuds? Did it have the things no. on it? No, it was Aww. like, that. <laughs> just like that poor fucking wook nugget. <laughs> I feel so like, I feel so bad when I see those little kids at shows and they don't have ear protection on. Like, I'm not going to say anything too negative about people bringing kids to shows. Cause I have friends that do it. You know, I don't, I wouldn't want to do it, especially not some like on drugs. Can you freaking imagine like trying to keep up with a tiny human in a crowd full of wooks and freaking, yeah. I, I so, so so uh we we will define wooks please um, okay. <laughs> uh so th- think of chewbacca okay so picture chewbacca in your head and then distill it down to uh yeah 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 distill it down to dreadlock 
uh, dirty fingernails, patchwork pants, uh, a tie-dye that hasn't been washed in years, uh, always trying to borrow things from you, uh, always trying to sell you some rocks, uh, you know, it just works. It's, it, it, it's, I've, I haven't found a way to describe it to the general public in joke format, um, but Not essentially it's just like take Chewbacca and put a bunch of ketamine in him and, and, and nitrous and give him a Grateful Dead hat. And, uh, you know, that's a look. Uh, I, I think it's I think I think where the it gets lost in translation is it's a visually good analogy, but you need a different character's personality. So it needs to be Chewbacca meets some other Star Wars character. I am not a Star Wars human, but it has to be somebody who's trying to get that like a Chewbacca, maybe Lando situation. Like someone who's always trying to get their hands like get over on you a little bit. Yeah, but Lando's too smooth and good looking. Like, Wook, it's like, Caroline, what, if you were, let's let Caroline try. They should be so called we, Jar Jars then. Like a know, Chewbacca Jar Jar? Annoying as Jar Jar, but like, Caroline, if you were describing <laughs> what a Wook is to someone like Anna Valenzuela here, how would you describe Wook? I mean, I think you did a pretty good job. Yeah. Just You forgot the part where you spray them down with some patchouli and sandalwood and, and you know, That's sprinkle them with cumin. I mean... Yeah. It's Cute. like, yeah. you know, it's just that like very ripe, like yeah, spicy. Spicy. yeah, like bo bo that also like, yeah, you, hurts you your smell, mouth. Yeah, you smell like old Indian food, but there's ah. not been any Indian food around, and I love Indian food, but it's just I like, do too. I think sometimes I, it makes me crave it. I'll be like, is that a wook or do I want some doll? Like, what the fuck? That's so funny. I've never, I've, I I think Dave, you captured it. I think I used with that guy uh, back in the day for oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, because tour doesn't happen forever. So they come back to the population, you know. So you, there are wooks in your city currently that have nowhere to go because there's no tours. <laughs> I want there to be an animated series about wooks in the wild <laughs> I mean, there should a, be there's a whole page and i'm surprised they haven't done anything with it but there's a there's a page on facebook called colorado big game trophy wook hunters and, <laughs> it, it, and it's all about people across the country taking pictures of wooks and like essentially bagging and tagging them like you know they take the picture and then they write this long like david attenborough description of the the climate and the the species <laughs> of wook and, and there's a full-on picture. And is it kind of mean because some of these people are just trying to live their life? Sure, but it's also like, like, they're doing wook shit. Like it's 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 like out, passed out in the mud with with a parking cone on their chest. You know, like that's it's like that kind of shit. Do you remember the blog Goths and Hot Weather? <laughs> It's no, but it's essentially that like, the yeah, best. It's like goths. It's just like goths at the beach. Goths just like at the fairground and it's very similar it's just like like goth people where goth people should not be because it's impractical <laughs> but <laughs> and I think too it's like i think too the 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 the, the wook uh the wook isms like the like can i borrow your everything you know <laughs> like like that's that's like, that's the wook mentality so wait like... so you can can i borrow your everything so what is that <laughs> 
<laughs> so it's like, hey, can I borrow your chapstick? Ew, mm -hmm. gross. Yeah, yeah mm -hmm. no, no. Specifically, that you know, you nailed, you hit it on the head. Something that a normal human being would never ask you to borrow because it's just fucking gross. Yeah. <laughs> a Wook will be like, hey, can I use some of that? And you're at a show. Like, you'll be at a show. And, like, you'll be using your chapstick. And the stranger, pre-pandemic, obviously, would be like, hey, can I have some chapstick? Now, depending on if that person with said chapstick is also a wook, they would be like, oh, well, you can't just put it directly on your lips, but please take your dirty finger that's probably been inside of your asshole to boof the drugs that you just got for free. Because we all know that if, if it's free if you boof it. That's just, that is one. It's not a relapse if you boof it. It is not a relapse. <laughs> Loopholes in the poop hole. I mean, there is, like I said, I'm happy to speak the language and, and, and like... This is this is me talking sci-fi, Anna. Ah, uh, this is for this is this is the karmic payback for listening to me yell about the expanse with care with people. Yeah, yeah. A couple of things that are that are true is it's free if you boof it. So if you're at a music festival and you want some drugs and you want them to be free, you have to say I will put them in my asshole. And then usually the person dealing the drugs will be like, it's free. Do they watch? Of course, everybody watches. <laughs> Because I think that's a fair trade. I think that's a fair trade. If you're like, <laughs> you know what, I'm gonna give you these drugs, but I want to see you put, I want to see you put that in your bo booty hole because that is funny. Yeah, it's free if you boof it. Wow, we've learned so much here today, folks. We've learned how to how to decide not to become a wook, uh, which it seems like that requires some autonomy and some. Uh, uh just uh hygiene so, I self awareness self awareness yeah so with that how at like deciding not to be this way or to be another way or to even commit yourself to recovery like how do you make decisions in your life today um it depends on what the decision involves you know like who it involves um, if there's other people involved, there might be people I need to confer with. I have a huge network. So I talk to everybody about everything. Like I have my little chat group on um, my little iMessages with my sponsor and a handful of girls in my, you know, in that little circle. And then I have my girlfriends that are my sober music friends that I talk to, um, therapist. You know, I, it's a multifaceted approach depending on the intensity of the decision. You know, the other day I wanted to spend money on some advanced yoga teacher training and I'm very passionate about this specific, you know, yoga teacher and the people that they have put together. And it's something I feel really drawn to do. And I could make that decision to just do that, but it's like thousands of dollars, you know? And so I was thinking of all these harebrained ways that I could do it and remember I mentioned earlier I'm unemployed currently <laughs> so I'm like messaging my husband like I really want to take this training here's some ideas I had take money against my IRA da -da 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 -da. and uh, you know like that kind of decision and then he's like yeah I don't think that's a great idea I mean you do what you want to do but you know and financial stuff has been one of my character defects before so I have to be really transparent with that kind of stuff um so we decided it would probably be best if I save some money and wait till next year when they offer it again. But, you know, little, little stuff like that. I mean, I don't ever, I, well, I won't say never, but I try to think about the ripple effect of the decision 
of mm-hmm. how it will affect my life in the long run, how it might affect others prioritization. There's some prayer and meditation in there. There's some third step in it. There's some, you know, lots of open to feedback kind of stuff. Yeah. Which is yeah. in direct contrast to, at least I, I'm not going to speak for you. For me, I also consider the, I think it's, it's, it's called uh, playing the tape through. But but pre pre sobriety, like pre getting clean, like it's not that's not something I that's not something most addicts and alcoholics do. Would would Mm -hmm. you agree? No, no, not at all. I mean, like that, you know, not to beat the dead horse on this thing with my sister, but like, you know, we've been really close. We weren't as kids, like we fought like cats and dogs because we're only two years apart. But then once we got into college, we got to be really close. Well, if I had thought about what my actions of what I chose to do that day but you can't think about stuff like that when you're on a head full of drugs anyways like Mm -hmm. there's just no like the wires are not connecting you're just kind of flying by the seat of your pants and the whole time telling myself like well this is just me this is just my life this I could do what I want like like my best Cartman I do what I want (laughs) (laughs) whatever whatever I do I want (laughs) but I I would argue too like that when I did a lot of drugs and I drank a lot that it was it, in the attempts to stay present you know I mean I would lament when I was drunk and be sad about things I couldn't change but like when you're hopped up on a fuck ton of drugs and you're at a festival you are literally trying to amplify the moment beyond 11 like that whole like spinal tap just crank it to 11 you know like that it, you're trying to crank it to 11 the whole time Mm-hmm. You know, so there is no what are the consequences of this? There is no. Well, if I if I if I bring these drugs into the music festival, I might not get to see the music festival. And also you might harm the music festival, too. Mm-hmm. One of my uh, one of my my big uh, I, I got a, like a venue, a all ages venue turned into a 21 and older venue because I uh, got too poop out drunk there and ended up in the hospital. <laughs> when i was like 14 so my bad uh but it does it does affect other people which is which is crazy that is that is i that is i i yeah i would not want to i would not want to go back there would not would what would you say caroline is the most surprising thing you've learned about yourself and you know and it, it would you would you how many how many years have you been doing the recovery thing um 13 and a half thereabout nice so what would you say the most surprising thing you've learned about yourself in that 13 years is i think the most surprising thing that i've learned today what comes to mind today i guess is the the happiness is an inside job like i cannot rest happiness out of life by anything external like the next show or the next you know, car or job or connection to someone or whatever it may be. Like I always thought that I could fix what was wrong in here with something out there. And I also thought that if I could get everybody else to just do what I wanted them to do, or if they would just act the way that I thought they should, that I could find peace and happiness. I mean, there's a direct quote in one of those books about me wanting to be the director and the actor and do the scenery and the lights and the whole thing. I remember when I read that the first time and it was like, it slapped me in the face, you know? And it's just like, yeah, I can't, I'm not going to be happy out there in the world unless I'm happy inside my own soul. And 
another surprising thing that I found out is that I can, I can be happy and at peace in my own soul, even when the world is like a shit show, like it has been the last year and a half, even when my body is like kicking my ass and being like, no, you can't do that right now. Like go lay on your heating pad. I can have all that and still have that inner peace that I never had back then. Yeah. I think, uh, one of those things for me too, uh, aside from happiness being an inside job is, uh, I still have the defect of unrealistic expectations, but it's different today. Like when I first went through the steps and it's like, I just celebrated nine years on the 23rd of April. Whoop, whoop. And, uh, Anna's dabbing to the should, air. She loves, we... she loves doing the whole, like I'm going to make, yeah, yeah. There we are. Everybody's I'm good at describing what's happening. Everyone dab. Everyone. If you're listening, dab, dab right now. Yeah, yeah. Dab right now. I just dab, hit my microphone dab dabbing. Microphone. Yeah. Like I'm going to yeah. dab into this expensive equipment. Yeah. Uh, uh, Dave, should we, should we sing, should we sing you happy birthday? I will fucking log out. <laughs> <laughs> See, there it is, Caroline. You, you, you wonder what it sounds like, why I didn't do the disturbance. Because it sounds like that. They love I it. Anna's laugh is, 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 is from Disturbed. And, then, right. and that's, me, that's me restraining it. I don't right. have an inside laugh. I have an out, outdoor laugh. I have yeah. a, I have a, it would I do have well at a music festival. Everybody's turned to 11 at a music festival. Oh, I yeah. feel you. I don't have an outside voice. I always joke about mm -hmm. that. I've never been accused of talking too softly. <laughs> even, even, even sober. Like that's the thing. Like, oh yeah, that, that's one thing. Like we'll get into it a little bit later, probably, but the, the sober music crews, uh, depending on what, uh, for those of you listening, there are sober followings that all stem from the Grateful Dead, which was the Wharf Rats, which is the clean and sober Grateful Dead fans. And then Fish has the Fellowship. Uh, you know, Whitesford Panic has the Gateway. Uh, String Cheese Incident has the Jellyfish. And you go on. Like, there's so each of these groups that tour the country have a group of sober fans. And we all support each other and we do impromptu uh meetings at set break and what it is and if you listen to our clarity statement it's like that's it's it's an homage to the clarity statements of of uh jam band 12-step recovery or not 12-step but you get what i'm saying people that wish to remain clean and sober at a show is it is the outlet for a lot of people that used to drink and do drugs to just let themselves go without drugs and alcohol in a very similar way would you agree Oh yeah. Like people want to know what we're on, you know, like our crew, especially yeah. at fish when you have like 40 or 50 people deep. Like I'm thinking about dicks. Like there'll be so many of us down on the floor, not Dick's those kind of dicks. Part. Yeah. 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 yeah so thanks. We have to clarify for the listeners when Caroline <laughs> said, when I'm thinking about dicks, uh, she means Dick sporting <laughs> goods park in, uh, in, in, in Colorado, in, yes. in Commerce City, Colorado. So continue. I'm, I'm sorry. I just needed. No, thank you for clarifying. I mean, I, we all love dicks. Trey will tell you they love dicks, you know. Um, but I, there was like a whole crew of us down there just throwing down and some guy comes through with a joint and he just keeps trying to hand it off to somebody and everybody's like no thanks no thanks no thanks and you can just see the look on his face like what kind of like third dimension have I traipsed into here you know because we're all sober and then another friend of mine I think it was the Atlanta show somebody posted a video of him dancing on like a like a regular like fish page not a sober fish page and everybody some guy was like I want to know what drugs that guy's on and he was like dude I'm not on anything like I'm just living my best life over here 
Yeah, and that's that's our claim to fame when we're out in the streets with each other is that just we we know we got each other's backs. It is a it is a recovery support system within an environment that is usually not meant for sobriety or recovery or clean. It's so like that, the counterculture within the counterculture. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, jam bands are kind of under the radar. They're getting to be more mainstream. But then sure. you take it and like distill it down. <laughs> distill. That's funny. Right. But then you have yeah. this smaller little nugget. Yeah. It's a microcosm of people who used to be the ones that would fucking hide drugs and portageons to, you know, I mean, it, it is a beautiful thing. And I'm grateful that I got introduced to it. I had like maybe... I think it was like 20 or maybe 32 days sober when I went to my first music festival with my friend Rhonda, who was a war frat. And I got introduced real quick to the sober music scene, which allowed me to still take part in that. Like, I'm so grateful that the things that I thought I could never do again when I got sober, like stand up comedy, because it was around drugs and alcohol, and seeing live music, because uh, arguably way more drugs and alcohol. I was uh, I was brought along by kind people uh, to to be shown how to walk in those environments. For sure, mm-hmm. I know? love that. Well, and, and it's like the it's the reason I, I asked you to be on the podcast is because you know you are uh, out in the scene and you guys are a good exa- you're a good example of like how to have a good time and then be also dedicated to whatever path of recovery that you currently work. Well, and I'll tell you, like, before I got sober, um, like, for years doing fish and then string cheese when fish broke up the first time or when they went on hiatus, there's a guy that has been a friend of my husband since they were in high school. And he was sober back then. And he was doing that whole attraction, not promotion thing back then. And I would see him be around us at shows. And I didn't even understand it. You know, I'd be like, you mean you can't even have a beer? You know, like... And then, but the whole time, like he was just living that life and I never knew what he did. I didn't know about meetings at that point in time. And then, you know, when Fish went back on tour in 2009, the first show I went to, we went with him and his um, spouse at the time, the four of us. And the first thing we did when we got in the venue was go to the fellowship table, you know, the yellow balloons, like there it was. And I mean, I remember showing up to that show in like jeans, like I don't go to shows in jeans. You cannot throw down in jeans. I can't. I felt like my hair was wrong. Like everything felt wrong. I was like, what am I wearing? What am I doing? I don't even know how to show anymore. And then I went in there and found that table and it was like, Oh, this is your, this is your new people now. Here you go. Yeah. And that's, I mean, finding your people and, and finding a life in my opinion, and this is not to knock 12 step rooms, but finding a life of recovery outside of the rooms is so important to the way I live uh, as a sober man today it's it shows me how to be of service and think outside of the box on, on what a life, a recovering life is, because some people and I'll just say it, they hide in the rooms and that's OK. If that's where you feel safe and comfortable, that's fine. I'm not knocking what anybody else does. But for me, the quality of my recovery is contingent on me experiencing life outside of the rooms. And, uh, you know, because I love live music, that's where I get it. It, mm-hmm. it, it is going out to see these shows yeah you know and 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 now today like i was talking about having unrealistic expectations my unrealistic expectations today are just like like i suit up and show up for people and i'm of service to people 
and I get real steamed when people don't do that. You know, it, it's it, it's it's so so it's like before it's like my unrealistic expectations with people would be like when I need drugs, you need to call me back, you know, <laughs> or like, why didn't you weigh this fucking eighth heavier? You know, uh, but, you know, but it involves honesty that today I still have and I was reminiscing on my nine year mark of having unrealistic expectations of those people around me through the lens of recovery where it's like just because Dave would do something a certain way doesn't mean anybody else's. And are my intentions good in the wanting them to do that? Sure. But that still leaves me not finding internal happiness when I'm concerned with, you know, being the director of the show of life that I have no control over. Mm-hmm. And it involves honesty. And Caroline, how honest are you with yourself and others around you? I would like, I want to believe that I'm pretty honest. Like I can, I don't feel comfortable with dishonesty anymore. If there's anybody I'm not completely honest with most of the time, it's probably myself more so than anybody else. Um, You know, like I have a hard time sometimes really listening to my body or I've had eating disorder issues in addition to addiction. So having like honest conversations with myself about what I'm putting in my body and why Mm. I'm choosing to put it in my body and that kind of thing. Um, but I mean, I, I, it does not in my gut, it does not feel good to be dishonest. Now, sometimes it's like that accidental dishonesty. Like I'll catch myself saying some trivial, trivial shit that doesn't even matter. And then I'll be like, that's not true. I don't know why I just said that. (laughs) Like I'll call myself on it, but that's a skill I also had to develop through recovery. For me, it's like hyperbole. Like it, it'll just sort of like, I'll, I'll, I'll get to into telling a story and then I realize I've blown it out of proportion and I'm like oh oh that's not even comfortable anymore can I have anything come on <laughs> my husband always says don't let the truth get in the way of a good story so <laughs> you know fudge I, it a little I, bit I think that's a that that is a southern spin in the yarn uh, mm-hmm. thing. that that's a that's a tall tale catfish uh situation um, for sure but that's, I, I mean, being honest, uh, I think honest, honestly, uh, my honesty within myself is a lot better than it used to be. No, uh, n- no intention to be funny. But uh, I think self-honesty, like getting older, is having to fucking be honest with yourself that your body doesn't fucking work the way it used to work. And you need to put nutrients in it. And like mm-hmm. I was just in St. Louis. I ate fucking two days in a row the try everything plates at two different barbecue restaurants. <laughs> I saw, I saw your social media that carnage. Thir- that third day, my body's like, if you don't fucking put a vegetable in us, we are going to shut down. <laughs> right. Like, it's just like, I used to go months without drinking water. I don't know where the water was coming from in my life. Dave, this is pre sobriety. Okay. Cause my, yeah. my, goal in life is to get people to drink water and to buy comfortable mattresses that's really it that's i'm just like drink water stretch even if you're not into yoga stretch your bones stretches stretches that's coming down the pipe you know now that i'm i'm settled where i'm gonna be for a while you gotta do it you gotta start now hey what hey why don't you why don't you back off ma why don't you let me me figure out this shit on my own ma All right. <laughs> Going to shows is exercise. So da- dancing, dancing for four hours straight. 
and that's the thing too it's like say what you want about it but like if you're going to like say 20 shows a year right and that's a conservative that's a conservative estimate for people who really really love the jam band scene and some people choose to see 20 fish shows in a year which you can uh i could never i i i've never toured that hard like i'll go on a six show run and that's the max for me but i see a lot of local stuff like i i love the gamut of music from hip-hop to bluegrass to jam bands to I, i'll go i love jazz and i would love to go to the symphony uh but like you can't really dance to the symphony so i've i've digressed probably too far down but when you're dancing for two hours straight a couple times a month that is ample exercise mm. You had me until you said ample exercise. Yeah, I was going to say that is exercise <laughs> that has occurred, but I don't know if it is ample. It is, but I'm, yeah. Let me feel good about trying, okay? It's not nothing. I'll give you that. If you were to you're, put you're on go. some, if you were to put on like a fish concert from YouTube in your house and like jam out every day with Jeffrey Pickles. I don't like your tone. I'm, I'm just saying concert from YouTube. Uh, you, you act like we don't have them shits on hard drives and in our phones. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm just saying, I'm just yeah, saying yeah. like a half hour. You're trying. That's what? You're, two you're... songs, a song, <laughs> you know, jam it out. <laughs> it just depends. Oh, <laughs> yeah it's 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 crazy the getting older thing that that surrender piece is is really crazy and it's definitely been so i was 20 when i got here so like my i've i've grown gray hair everywhere you know Girl. like i got my bones don't work the same i i bought bunion spacers the other day mm. and i and i like really questioned if I should spend the money on bunion spacers. <laughs> there was like so many levels of responsibility happening. <laughs> but, oh no, go ahead. I was gonna say in the summer of 2019, my doctor told me I needed to start wearing tennis shoes like most of the time, like a good supportive yeah. shoe. Mm -hmm. Cause I was having some really bad heel issues from dancing on hard pavement at fish. And I cried, like I cried in the office that day. Cause I just wanted to wear my cute little keen sandals, you know? And he mm -hmm. was like, no, those aren't giving you enough support. This is why your foot hurts all the time. And I had to start wearing, and now I just rock them. And recently Brooks, which is my favorite pair Ooh, uh, like or my Brooks. favorite brand. Mm -hmm. Girl, they just came out with a tie-dyed shoe. I don't know if that's your flavor, but they have a tie-dyed tennis shoe that I bought for concert season this year. And I just broke them in um, over Easter weekend when I went to my first concert since 2019. Fun. Did you go down for Billy Strings or did you go do Goose? Billy Strings. Yeah, see, it's, there's so little live music right now that I know exactly where you were. And I think maybe I saw your social media posts, but uh, yeah, Billy Strings is, uh, he, he does traditional like bluegrassy type folk type like speed picking but really... he jams it out and i've been singing his praises since before covid so i am so i actually i actually wanted to shoehorn this in anyway this is just as good a place as any yeah. i have been chris started it but um we have a sober group for billy strings we're called oh, the dusty yeah we're called the dusty baggies or the d bags oh, for short that's uh that's so good uh so, so <laughs> billy strings has a song called uh dust in a baggie and it's, uh -huh. it's essentially a song about meth yeah uh, yeah 
and uh so that's see that's great and it's like there's other there's newer jam bands that get sober followings because it's just like we need each other to support each other so the d-bags or the dusty baggies look for them yeah on billy strings tour on billy tour as it's lovingly called amazing amazing i love that and both of you mentioned like sort of the anxiety of can i continue to live my lifestyle and be a clean and sober person right like how do you deal with fear and anxiety today well i feel like i have a different relationship with fear like coming from that place of the yellow balloon groups and tables and going to concerts and stuff like that i didn't know back then before sobriety that all i ever really wanted was connection like i just wanted to feel a part of from a little tiny person like kindergarten i can always remember feeling a little bit less than like i didn't quite fit in i was mm -hmm. in the wrong family and so looking at the world through that lens growing up and and telling myself that lie and never reflect like never asking anybody if it was true just believing it i was afraid of everything like when i did my inventory i was afraid people were going to find out who i was i still struggle with imposter syndrome a lot you know um, people are going to figure me out. They're going to find out I'm really not that cool. I'm really not that funny. I'm really not that whatever, you know, mm -hmm. all of those things, because I didn't believe any of those things about myself, you know? And the thing about recovery is that I found what I was always looking for, but I was looking for it in a, in a baggie or a bottle or connections, a dusty, a dusty, baggie. A dusty baggie, if you will. Um, and it was really just, human connection that I was looking for, like healing myself enough to feel comfortable in my own skin, which I never ever did. Like it shows I never, you know, wherever it shows or out in the world. Um, so, I mean, I still experience fear, you know, like I still experience, but I also have that relationship with a higher power, whatever that is, the spirit of the universe. Um, I don't like that thing where they say all things happen for a reason kind of shit. Like that one kind of grubs no. me the wrong. That's my, that's my acceptance is the answer, Dave. But um, I do believe that there's like a greater purpose that I don't get to know. You know, I don't get to know how things are going to unfold, but I get to be responsible for my part and how I show up and I can talk about it if I'm afraid. I don't have to just tell myself well, you can't do that. You know, if it's something I'm really scared about, it's the same thing I do with making decisions. I go to my, my coven yeah. <laughs> they're not yeah. really a coven but you know like i i well, if, you're, if you're claiming responsibility for 2020 then they just might be <laughs> <laughs> i'm it's, not it's, claiming it i'm just saying well yeah, yeah well yeah, yeah. <laughs> whatever whatever uh, that's yeah and that's you know I, I believe i'm not the person that i am today without the things that happen for whatever reason they happen for I think that that sits a little bit better in my chest piece and I always encourage people to just look if it doesn't if, if, if the colloquial phrases don't sit right with you make them your own mm -hmm. you know like yep. if, if live and let live or think 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 or it works if you work it if those don't sit well with you that's okay you know I, I'm a firm I share especially I share constantly in meetings that you could stay sober and fucking hate God because I have and I get I watch old I watch the old timers get real fucking agitated and uncomfortable. It's just like this is my experience. It doesn't mean I don't have a conception of a higher power. I'm not one I'm not one to uh, try to line up with the spirit of the universe. It's just like I'm going to share exactly the way I feel in a way that it aligns with my own honesty and recovery. And it doesn't have to look like anybody else's recovery as long as I'm being honest, open, and willing to grow. 
I think that's the cornerstone of any program or non-program that you decide to work to, to, to better yourself. Yeah. I love that. I just, I love that. I have nothing deep to add other than instead of amen, I say, so say we all like I'm in Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> Sometimes I say that's, that's that. Shit out of here. <laughs> Um, that's amazing. You, oh, go you ahead. You still got defects? You still got defects? Don't we Don't all? We all. <laughs> I got them. We all got them. Whether, I don't care how hard you're working. We, we all got them. What defects of character would you say you've worked on or surrendered to the most, Caroline? Probably self-loathing. Um, I mean, that one had to come first. When I did my, I didn't know that for several years in this program. When I did my second fourth step and I wrote out my resentments the person I had the most resentments against was me and mm -hmm. two years into sobriety I got fully engrossed in my eating disorder because I still mm -hmm. wasn't I was sober I was clean but mm -hmm. I wasn't well you know in my yeah. in my soul and um, I think that was probably the first thing that I really had to come to terms with on a deeper level is like how to forgive myself for all the shit that I hated myself for and how to accept myself the way that I am uh, today, tomorrow, whatever may come, whatever was in the past, the whole like accept the past, we will not accept, um, we will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. Like come into that place through the process of time and working the steps and being honest and having other people be vulnerable with me that like, you know, just being, I, if I don't like me, how can I do anything else? And if I'm being mean to me all the time, how can I be nice to anybody else? And if I don't love me, how can I accept love from anybody else? You know, like all of that has to be healed in me first before I could go out and tackle all the other defects, you mm -hmm. know, and I, and recovery gave me the ability to do that. Like I wouldn't have told you I had an eating disorder before I got sober. And I wouldn't have said it even when I was told that by an eating disorder therapist in early recovery. I, when she said it to me, I was like, who are you talking about? You ain't talking about me sitting over here weighing like 115 pounds size two anemic with bruises all over me and like <laughs> right, looking like a lollipop head. Um, and I think it's important that you share that because I've been through it. Like women in recovery struggle with really, really high rates of eating disorder stuff. And, you know, it is, it's because the addiction sort of just like hops onto a different train and um and there is so much pressure and our bodies change not only over time and through our hormones but when we get clean everything is like you know and back at, now everybody goes to the gym they start vaping and going to the gym and getting really buff <laughs> back in the day we just, just used to eat french fries at denny's all night and and so it's it, it, there was so much pressure and, and definitely, but the disease will work its way in any way it can. And I, I just love, I just love what you just said about self-acceptance and self-love. Cause that's, I'm on my third time through the steps right now. And I'm on a, I'm on a seventh step that like, when things hit me about my character defects, I feel like I'm getting punched in the gut. And I like I tweeted the other day, how do you even develop self-esteem? There's like no you tell people like, how do I develop self-esteem and self-worth? And and they're just like, I don't know, do some stuff. And you're like, but like how? Because it seems like some people just like have it. 
<laughs> and, and that's like, that's just so rude. You know what I mean? And, and at the basis, like at the core of all of my defects is this deep, deep fear of being unacceptable, you know, and being unlovable. And mm -hmm. so the antidote to that, the contrary action to that is loving myself. And that's crazy difficult when your brain is just not set up to do that either by through trauma. I love what you said about the past and the future. It's the growth, like growing past trauma is the integration of the past without focusing in fear of the future. Yeah. And like, it is, it's so funny because it's a, th a phrase I've heard a hundred times, but that's the first time I'm like, oh, wait a minute, there's there's a psychological principle that goes along with that. But like, it is, it is so valuable and so important. But yeah, it's, I, I love that. I love that you talked about the contrary action and not the defect itself. You're the best. You're the best. <laughs> I didn't even mean to do that. <laughs> That's amazing. Dave looks like he has something to say. No, I was just le letting you go and listening. And just, I love it. I've got no frame of reference of, of being a woman, so it's not my place to say shit. <laughs> well, well I'm sure you have a frame of reference of self-loathing. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was on the top of my first four-step. <laughs> how, how fucking egotistic. Like, who do you resent the most? Me. Um, I think I, I think I've done oh four four times through the steps, and it's like it's it's still hard not to put me at the top of that shit, even with nine years sober. It is hard, but but it, to be honest, I am like so. It's like I'm not gonna not put myself at the top of that list because I am at the top of that list most times. Like mm -hmm. like I, I my favorite phrase when I was getting sober in the beginning was you couldn't hate me more than I hated me. People mm. tried, people tried and they were unsuccessful. I was the champion of hating me. I am that scene in liar, liar with Jim Carrey where he realizes he can maybe get out of court if he beats the shit out of himself and he's in the bathroom and he's whooping the fuck out of himself and climbing his head on the toilet and the random dude walks in. He's like, what, what, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm kicking my own ass. Do you mind? <laughs> it is me. I am, I am in a perpetual state of, a state of kicking my own ass. And uh, how dare you uh, try to stand in the way of me kicking my own ass when I'm not, when I'm not doing the deal, you know? Yeah. Well, and it, 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 it gets to a point where eventually we just have to like, even forgive ourselves for kicking our own ass, which is so, hard it's so hard forgiveness is so hard one of the contrary actions for one of my defects was forgiveness and i was like ew gross ew i don't like that uh, <laughs> that's not the right step go in order bitch but no forgiveness really is um it, it, it is self-forgiveness is so difficult external forgiveness is really difficult what is your experience of forgiveness well, with the self-forgiveness piece, I think my experience with it is that most of the time, the stuff that I felt like the things that I felt like I've needed to forgive myself for, or the things that I, you know, need to forgive myself for, um, the forgiveness feels like I don't feel icky about it mm. anymore. Like once the self-forgiveness happens, like once I truly am like, this is something that I did, but not who I am. 
you know, like all of these things that I did that I characterized or, you know, categorized myself as a bad person. Like, that's not true. Like, those are all just things I did, but not who I am. And there was a lot of stuff in my past that felt really icky anytime I would think about it. And I would just emotionally beat myself up about it. And for the most part, I don't do that anymore. Like there's, you know, I, people say I wouldn't change a thing. I mean, there's a couple of things I would change, <laughs> you know, from my past. Like there's a couple of things. Now I still try to use them to help others if I can, but right. there's a couple of things I would change, you know. But for the most part, I don't sit around feeling icky about it and using it as evidence to prove how shitty, terrible I am because I know it's just like I'm just a person, just a human. Um, with other people, I think forgiveness for me is like when I can let them off the hook, you know, when I stop blaming them for how I feel or blaming them for things that went on between us um, and just take responsibility for my part and it's hard like mm -hmm. it's hard especially in recovery like going through friendships sometimes where you'll be friends with somebody that's not in recovery you know or mm -hmm. people that are in recovery but maybe they're they're working of recovery is a little bit different and you drift apart from people you know people mm -hmm. come and go in your life and um I have a tendency to get really like get my feelings hurt, you know, and um, the abandonment button. Yeah, girl, mm -hmm. hardcore. Like, well, what? There it is. I'm not good enough. They must have figured it mm -hmm. out, you know. And then, of course, then it's like I'm loathing myself, but it's still their fault because they, you know, they forgot yes. about me. They, yes, you know, they let me down. And so, forgiveness is just being able to to be at a place where it's like we had a good run. I still love them from over here. You know, I could do something different. I could make another attempt. I could make some other, you know, gotta, interaction gotta here. Gotta love loving people from a distance. Love Man, them from I, afar. I, uh, you know that, how fucking mind-blowing that is for some people? Especially, like, I, I talk to friends that aren't necessarily in recovery, but I tell them, that like, hey, maybe try this. Loving from a distance. And it's, they're like, what? It's like, you can still love someone and fucking keep it keep a nice healthy fucking length between the two mm -hmm. of you well it's the opposite of codependency right like and i mean that's one of those things you get in one of those 12-step programs for the people who are like friends and family of the people who have the addiction problem like that's been a huge asset to me you know yeah, yeah. yeah that's that's my favorite too when you suggest to people uh one of the anons mm -hmm. and, they're, and they're like what the fuck do i have to go when they're the mm -hmm. one with the problem and mm -hmm. it's like, well, what if i told you the best way to help them is to help you mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with me i'm fine if they just do what i say <laughs> every time i go to those other anons the support anons i think to myself what are you people fucking talking about even <laughs> i get so confused it's I, no, very funny I, I i i have i should probably just for the sake of uh, having a well-rounded recovery do the anon attached to my 12-step recovery because every time i've popped in just to like peek and see what they're up to i'm just like i can dig it mm -hmm. i can dig it i can dig any of it you know and it, it will still always be a suggestion to me when when uh i mean throughout my life it's just because i live on such a public level you know mm -hmm. and, and we all are like that's the thing it's just like even though you're not in entertainment caroline it's just like we're all on social media we're all on such a public level and so because people know that they can kind of just fucking bebop into our inbox like right. you know we field questions constantly of my aunt 
is an alcoholic. What mm-hmm. do I do? Or mm-hmm. recently, a, a, a comic uh, acquaintance of mine messaged me that my nephew is in rehab mm-hmm. for the blah, blah, blah time. And I'm just like, yo, dog, like you got to love him from a distance and maybe ask him if he'd be willing to receive a 12 a step call from one of us. Uh, and then if he's down with that, send someone that's in recovery to talk recovery to him. But beyond that, you need to let him go. Mm-hmm. And they're like, just like, what? Like, I can't hammer. I can't hammer the circle peg in the square hole. Like, yeah, that's just that's just the nature of it. Mm-hmm. TV makes it look really easy. <laughs> you know what I mean? You just you show up, you have your intervention, everyone cries mm-hmm. You know, it's this really, you know, really easy process. And it's just not that way. It's more complicated. And well, TV makes it look easy, but in actuality, the healthiest boundaries are the most cut and dry. You know, it's it's like it's it's hard emotionally, easy conceptually. Hmm. I love that, Dave. Mm hmm. You know, the, I mean, the one of my one of the, the colloquial phrases that I never minded is is sometimes that the longest distance for an alcoholic is between his brain and his heart. Mm-hmm. That, is the, that is the furthest distance. So it's like I could believe that I'm worth it. But do I do I feel that I'm worth it? You know, that's 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 hard still yeah. for me at nine years. You know, and it's like I, you know, and that's after making an amends to the people I've harmed. That's apologizing. Um, and that's apologizing to me, you know, like that's another thing. We talk about making amends, you know, to other people. But like, what am I doing on a daily basis to make amends to myself for the way I treat me? Um, and, that, and the next question is, uh, what has been your most surprising amends that you've either received or made in your recovery? Uh, the, I think the one that comes to mind is one that I made. Um, and it was to this couple that's about my age that we used to just rage with. And um, things got really out of hand one night without going into a lot of detail. It just got really awful. And, you know, these were people that I would see at shows after I got sober. I mean, there were a lot of people I had to make amends to that I saw at shows. But this couple in particular... I would see them from time to time. And if I happened to glance them from across the way, I'd want to just like, you know, avert my glare, my, my glare and like try not to make direct eye contact. And um, then when I was doing my ninth step amends, I made connection and and I was going to be, we used to live in Charleston, South Carolina, and I was going to be there. And I asked them if I could come by. Um, And at this point they're married and had to kid. like none of us were married when all this stuff went down. It was crazy back in the day stuff. Um, but I stopped by and it was just awesome. Like they were just like, we were all young and so fucked up. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, you know, I'm just so grateful that you're doing what you're doing. It's so good to see y'all doing well. And I don't know, it was just really, really healing. Cause it was one of those icky ones. It was yeah. one of those that was like, yeah, I would definitely do that one different if I had the opportunity. Yeah. Um, and now, you know, if we go there, like knowing that I can see them and it's fine and yeah. you know, it's, you know, like that's pretty huge. Like fixing, not only just saying that I'm sorry for how I behaved back then, but like now that I live this life, I live now, I haven't had to do anything like that in 13 and a half years. Like I haven't found myself in those precarious situations. 
Yeah, and then there's there's two. It's just because that's the thing. It's just like there's such a microcosm that you will see them because we mm-hmm. all like going to see shows, and it's like so, like you could be at, you could be at Dick's and see someone that you clashed with, mm-hmm. even in recovery. And I I'm speaking specifically for me at this point that there was someone who did me dirty in recovery. Mm. Like I'm sober, they're s- sober, quote unquote, whatever, you know. Um, and they did me dirty and I just didn't want nothing to do with them. And I was still carrying around the resentment towards them. And it was the last time we were at Dick's Sporting Good Park. I saw them at the top of the, uh, the, the section of the bleachers they were in. I walked up. I said, hey, I've been real cruel to you. I'm sorry. You know, uh, I hope you can accept my apology. You know, meaning the cruelness of like avoiding them or gossiping mm-hmm. about them or whatever, you know. Oh, yeah. It I've had- I want to be. I don't want to be close friends with them, but mm-hmm. I, I just I had to acknowledge like, hey, I've been cruel to you, even mm-hmm. though they did me dirty mm-hmm. on paper. Like it's in, in refutable. I've been being cruel to them because they did me dirty. And that's it. That is a defect of character that I carry around. And I didn't receive freedom from that. And it's like it had been three years of seeing them at shows and trying to avoid them and like having them like try to awkwardly shake my hand when we're in groups of similar people. And it's just like fucking it would boil my blood every time. And then until I walked up those bleachers and been like, hey, I've been very cruel to you. I just wanted to let you know I apologize and I hope and let me know if there's anything I can do to make up for it. And then I was free from it. Yeah, I, I, I it's in doing my step work recently I had a, a big revelation yesterday about like, you know, guarding myself with resentment and then um you know, resorting to like character assassination and, and cruelty and mercilessness and, and just not having, um, just not being spiritual around uh, how folks who've hurt me behave. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like, I'm still pretty bad at like when I'm hurt, not swinging. And um, hurt people, hurt people, people. (laughs) and how exhausting that is to live and how exhausting and separating from my higher power it is. It really is. It's so separating to just be like, God, I just, there there was like a moment last night where I was just like, I was going to text somebody and I said, no, Anna, you don't gossip now. And stop. No, just like out loud yelling at myself because, um, Cause, cause I'm, I, you know, it's like every year we, we pull back, I've pulled back more layers and it's, uh, it's sometimes unfun, but it's also kind of awesome, you know? Well, it's a practice. Yeah. Like it is a daily practice for sure. It goes against everything in me to do some of these things. Mm-hmm. And just like, if you want to get good at yoga or if you want your exercise to be more than just the 20 shows a year that you do. It's a, it's a practice and it's, yes. and, and spiritually it's the same thing. So Carolyn, what, what does your spiritual practice look like uh, on a day-to-day basis? Every morning I pray um, to whatever's out there. Uh, I learned from this old nun speaker at a women's retreat I went to early in recovery that she would make her bed. I'm not a real messy sleeper, so I kind of pull the covers up, but she said she deserved that, you know, and um, she was the one who said that she would, say her prayers and say, good morning, God, it's me. So-and-so and I'm an alcoholic. Thank you for keeping me sober yesterday. And I pray that you'll keep me sober again today. Like that's how it always starts. Um, and I, I think about what I'm grateful for. I always use the third step prayer. Um, 
And then, you know, yoga is a huge part of my spirituality. Um, the teachings of yoga are very aligned with the teachings of recovery. Um, it's a lot about self-inquiry and uh, service work and how we, how our, our self impacts the world. It's not just going to the mat, but like actually studying the text. Um, I, I like to dabble around and read and learn about the different parts of the Hinduism and Buddhism. I don't ascribe to any of those specific things, but, um, and just continuing to like check myself, you know, you were talking about how things like this are contrary to what you would normally do. And like the other day there was somebody on my like roster that was going to be in my class and they had a funny name. And I like texted a couple of my girlfriends. I was like, thank God my mom didn't name me such and such. Like just being a total bitch about this person's name that I'd never met. And then I get in there and she was so freaking sweet. And I felt like such an asshole. And I was like, thank you, whatever higher power for like reminding me not to be a judgy bitch about silly little shit like that, you know, cause I could have thought it in my mind and like kept it to myself and still reflected on it. But no, I had to like text a few friends like, thank God, my name's not so-and-so. And then I was just like, you know, there's your little yeah. reminder. You need to leave Sarah Boofington alone. Yeah. Old, <laughs> old Sarah Boofington. I, when she showed up to class. What a delight. <laughs> what a delight. I do have to say, uh, have you listened to the yoga is dead podcast yet? Yes, girl. <gasps> oh, shout out to that pod. I kind of want to hit them up and be like, well, you did my podcast. Cause they're so like, they're so amazing. But that conversation hit me in both the martial arts realm, the comedy realm, like that whole conversation about, I mean, just from start to finish about like, you, you know, from, exploitation to um you know uh being uh, being authentic to what you're learning versus appropriative and mm -hmm. just i'm so glad that you've listened to it because i was listening to you talk and i was like she's really got it i mean i've listened to six episodes of a yoga podcast and i have a subscription to peloton yoga <laughs> so i'm an expert um but i'm just like i i'm so i love how like I think you and I probably share this thing of like, when we fall in love with something, we fall in love with it super hard. And like, we get into it, which I, I really, I really enjoy that about you. That's, that's amazing. And your ability to like integrate that, that spiritual practice. And sometimes when I'm doing yoga, I feel, I don't get it all the time. The addict in me wants to get it all the time, but you get that like just endorphin pop or mm. you're in Shavasana for a long time. You're doing a yin yoga and you've just melted completely. And you're just like breathing the universe in and breathing out all your fear. Mm. And like, what, like in those moments, like, is that your primary relationship with your higher power or like what is your relationship with your higher power look like like how do you experience your higher power because i've definitely experienced my higher power in that context i so i think that i definitely experienced my higher power in those moments but i do feel like i have that conscious contact like sometimes i'll just um i'll do something stupid or like i'll be playing with my phone this is a silly ex example but it's just what what um comes comes to mind like i'll be distracted by my phone briefly and then realize that i'm following too close to a car and have to like slam on my brakes a little bit and i'll just be like thanks god you know like for that little reminder like get off their ass and put your phone down you know like little stuff like that and then i see it in nature like i love the acronym god which is great outdoors like that's my thing 
when I was in early recovery and I was having a hard time with the God concept, I was, um, Chris and I went up to Niagara Falls for like, it was right around my one year anniversary. And my sponsor at the time, who was more country than me, if you can imagine, was like, if you want to know about higher power, I'm going to try to do a more country accent than me. I'm going to stop that right now. Um, But she was like, get on the boat, put the little rain jacket on and ride into the falls and feel the power of that water like coming over Niagara Falls because you can ride the little boat up in there you know like the little two-decker boat thing and you can fit like you can't hear each other like the the power of the falls is so intense and I've always remembered that and now like I sit on my back porch and I look at my birds and I grow plants and I love to go and be in different places out like I love being outside like the ocean like the ocean is like so powerful like so powerful and you have to respect it and it changes all the time but it's just like and animals are like god you know because of their their unconditional love and i don't know i just see spirituality and everything now i hear like what i think my higher power wants me to hear from the voices of other people and like not to go back too far on that but the those girls that podcast Mm -hmm. like even with yoga like I got into yoga before I got sober it was one of those things that Mm -hmm. I tried to figure out what was wrong with me and now that I'm into yoga and I've been into yoga for a while and I did my first training like back in 2015 I think and now I'm getting to peel off all these layers of like the way that I've been appropriating without even knowing it you Mm -hmm. know like I didn't know it was appropriative and that's another way that I get to constantly like grow and change is like being able to look at some stuff that I've done that's cringy and be like, yeah, I didn't even know it at the time, but now I know when I know better, I have to do better, Yeah, you know? And, um, I feel like that's all just part of the spiritual experience is like constantly being able to say, I don't know, or I didn't know, you know, and thank you for showing me. Thank you for teaching me. I want to continue to learn. Um, I want to continue to grow spiritually. I want to really not just say we are one, but I want to be like part of that solution of oneness. And that has to begin with me and how I behave and how I interact. And especially as a cis white person, you know, so yeah. that's. Yeah. And, 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 and it takes work. It, it, it literally, I, I, me and Anna talk about it. Just like some people are not willing to do the work to rewire their brains with the current knowledge that we have in regards to the people around us. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just easier to say, well, I don't yell slurs, so I can't be (laughs) racist. I've got black (gasps) friends. I've got black friends. That's my favorite one. And and that's, Mm -hmm. and that's, so it's like, take, take sobriety and recovery out of it. Like I couldn't see who I was or the things I was doing to those around me while my head was in, in a fucking DMT cloud. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I thought I was trying to touch God, but really I was just fucking checking out from the world, you know. So we've reached the end of the pod, um, and I want to thank you so much for being on. We've got one more question, uh, and it is, Caroline, what would you tell someone just like you listening in the world right now? Just like me. I would just say keep trying, keep learning, keep being open. Don't be afraid to be wrong. Keep discovering. Don't give up, you know, like believe all the corny shit that they tell you. If you're just like me, but you're new in recovery, definitely believe all the don't believe before the miracle stuff. Don't leave before the miracle stuff happens. Um, Like life is messy and beautiful and we can 
we get out of it what we put into it. And if we want to focus on all the things that are wrong with our life, then we'll keep finding more things wrong. But if we focus on the things that are right and other ways that we can be right and like contribute to change for the greater good, then we can be part of that positivity as well. I'm a huge believer in that. Yeah. So. Fuck yeah. Yes. And the recovery plane has landed. Caroline, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Uh, thank y'all for having me. You've always been someone that I, I, I've, I've enjoyed every single time I've run into you and, and, and Chris. Uh, when we're out in these in these jam band streets, um, where can people find you if you want to be found, or what is uh, what what is something you'd like to bring attention to? Like, are there any organizations that you work with, or places that where people can throw some money to? Like, where can people find thing all all things Caroline Cooley? Uh, so I don't have a website, but I have an Instagram. It's Perfect. at Avocado Yoga Wellness. And I put all my yoga stuff up there that I'm doing. Um, and so right now I, I'm, I'm about a lot of causes. So I'm doing a series right now where I'm doing a different class every Saturday at our local Arboretum. And every week I promote the cause that the, um, some of the, the proceeds are going to. So this week is actually um, Operation Oxygen India um, to help get oxygen supplies, canisters, and um, the converters to India because they're in such a crisis with COVID and the, and the hospitals being overrun. But I'll share that on my Instagram story on at avocado yoga wellness. And that's where I put most of my stuff. I was just trying to look you up and I love that. I love that you're, um, I love that you're promoting um, the oxygen to, to India. It's such a huge, you know, talk so that's about the nice thing about not having a fucking comedian on the podcast is like, what, what do you want to promote that's not you? They're like, <laughs> farts, dicks, me, right? Oh, no. I love all that shit too. I love you farts. Catch and my and... TikTok at Flicks My Dick to Techno Music. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. Dave, where can I'm... people find you and your, your wares? Uh, just please go donate to, uh, to Caroline's causes at, at Avocado Yoga Wellness. You know where to find me. You know, if you want to buy my hot sauce, where it is. But Avocado Yoga Wellness uh, is what I would like to promote today. Oh, I mean, okay, so I'll just promote the pod where you can learn more about Avocado Yoga Wellness. Uh, uh, go ahead and uh, find us at 12Q Pod on all the social medias and you know where to find me. I'm around. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, Gmail, etc. Um, 12Q Pod at Gmail. Send us some questions. We would like to do 12 audience questions yes. and do a whole episode about that. So 12Q Pod at gmail.com. Yes, it'll be fantastic. You can add discuss hot questions about the fish community if you haven't learned everything from this podcast yet well and i feel like some people that hear oh i'm sorry <laughs> no i was just saying we literally just scratched the surface that's all i want to say Continue. well and i was gonna say like when you asked me one of the craziest things that happened i feel like some people listening to the pod that know me that know you that know fish they're gonna be disappointed that i didn't tell the shit in my pants at a um, string cheese incident concert story yeah. so maybe they can hit me up at the next yellow balloon table and i'll be happy to tell them that story in person oh my god <laughs> and okay we gotta start we the pod over uh, although we love and <laughs> that part with a on a cliffhanger uh, yeah <laughs> Uh, definitely a hanger of some type. Uh, <laughs> 
Carolina, how we end this podcast every time we do it, as if nobody has told you this today. We love you. Thank you. And Anna, if nobody has told you this today, we love you. Love you, Dave. Thank you. And anybody listening to the podcast right now, if you're listening, and no one has told you, listener, we love you. Thanks for tuning in. Yay. Love you. Okay, bye. Thanks.